Welcome to Amplified. We're the show that will help you take your message, whatever it may be, and get it out through social media, networking, and other marketing channels. Maybe even some that you've never thought of. Whether you're an organization, small or large business, or you just have the next positive message that's sure to go viral, you'll want to stay tuned this hour. Now, here's your host, Ken Rashawn. Welcome, welcome. And namaste. We are so excited to have an amazing guest and an amazing show. This is going to be quite a highlight, I think, in my life to have Naveen on our show. So I want to thank, first of all, my producer and executive director of the Key Smiley Movement, Andrea. What a wonderful find, a wonderful book. <laughs> and this will become wonderful reading because when you have a great book or a great movie, you just keep absorbing it over and over again and it becomes you. So thank you, Andrea. You're very welcome. I'm very excited about our guest as well. I um, met him uh, through LinkedIn, and uh, I just happened to find Naveen by accident. Naveen Jain is who we're talking about. Uh, so on this wonderful morning that Ken is excited about his book, A Moonshot, Creating a World of Abundance. And I happened to come across you by chance, Naveen. You were a friend of another connection on LinkedIn. I saw your bio and your information and was like, hmm, who is this person who's uh, shooting out for the world? for such amazing things and uh, knew that I definitely wanted to introduce you to Ken and have you on his show. <laughs> so welcome, Naveen. <laughs> yeah, we already have him on camera. I started off with him on today because we I thought we should have all the time that we could have with him on. I do want to remind people that we want to thank our sponsors. That's bees.social, B-E-E-S dot social. And that is a crypto technology for the people, by the people, an educational source teaching you how to take care of your financial future with crypto technology. Also, the Red Carpet Connection, the Umbrella Syndicate, Voice America Influencers Channel, Channel, perfect publishing and we are back to you Ken well actually we're going to go right back to you because I got to hear a bio so I bring in this extraordinary person and uh, we are going to have such a great conversation today so let's keep the Absolutely. bio as short as possible because I know Naveen normally likes to have his bio read at least three or four times because he's not a very humble person <laughs> <laughs> Naveen Jain is an entrepreneur, an author, a philanthropist, and he's driven to solve the world's bigger challenges through innovation. He's a man who knows no limits. He pushes big dreams into action, spurring massive cultural and techno technological change. His audacious vision and magnetic personality continually inspire others to feel what's impossible and to create what's possible. The founder of Moon Express World Innovation Institute, uh, Wise and TELUS and InfoSpace, he sees beyond the current business technological landscape, creating companies that make true impact on the world. Ernest and Young's Entrepreneur of the Year, he's India's most admired, most admired serial entrepreneur and the receiver of the Albert Einstein Technology Medal for his pioneers in technology. He's been repeatedly honored for his entrepreneurial successes, and he's also recognized as a top 20 serial entrepreneurs and has a Lifetime Achievement Award. His next endeavor is to travel to the moon using lunar, lunar resources for innovation here on Earth. And whether it's business or life, he's guided by one firm belief, our only limit is our imagination. I'm so glad that we imagined and manifested you into our world. Naveen, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Andrea. And thank you very much, Ken, for hosting me here. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. And so keep smiling. 
So I guess the first question I have is, why do you embrace scarcity so much? Why do you believe everyone should have a mindset of scarcity? The scarcity mindset is what actually allows us to feel that we have actually holding something of value. Because when mindset is of scarcity, we believe that things have value. When things become abundance, they get dematerialized and they get demonetized. And that's really very interesting is that if the world, we didn't believe as humanity that things were scarce, we really would put no value to it, right? And I think somehow we have this idea that human beings are greedy and it doesn't matter how much we have, we're going to want more of it. So there's always going to be that scarcity. Unless you remind people that air is actually abundance and 60,000 of us sit in a stadium, enjoy the game, never having to slap the guy next to us and say, you're breathing my air. That's my air. Nobody does that. And the reason is inherently we believe air is in abundance. Now imagine if we can make the energy to be the next air, where energy is so abundant, we don't have to have wars and the fight that we do over energy. What if we had abundance of energy? Then you can go have abundance of fresh, clean water that we fight over everywhere, right? So my point is the land that we fight over, where is that scarcity of land? It's in our mindset that believes that our planet and only the small part of our planet is where we can actually live, so we fight over it. What if we could live anywhere on planet Earth? What if we could live anywhere on our solar system? What if we could live anywhere on our galaxy? What if we could live anywhere on our universe? What if we could live in the alternate multiverse? Point is, there is no scarcity. That mindset of scarcity that you mentioned is what drives humanity to do things, which is to have wars, to fight, and to essentially hoard things will come completely go away if you can get rid of that mindset. I totally agree. And uh, in your book, you had made a, a, a statement about how much energy comes into our periphery, 90 minutes of energy coming into our planet, uh, that if we could harness it and convert it, that we would have a conversion uh, conversation instead of a scarcity conversation. That's right. So I want to do a little show and tell again. This book is not just a must read for entrepreneurs. It's really a must read for leaders, I think. And Sir Richard Branson is uh, certainly putting his stamp of approval. What a great person to have affiliated and acknowledging how great this work is. Um, because you also have a podcast, I wanted to do a show and tell that we want to include you in the positive podcaster. And earlier this morning after I finished your book, I wrote you and said, this must be part of the 50 book challenge. Because if you're a leader and you want to be inspired, there is so many points. And I love how you lay the book out that every page you can get juice just from the, the footnotes or I should say the quotes that are in the gray boxes. I mean, if you just only read the gray boxes, you'd be really <laughs> catapulting your mindset. So I really am so happy with it. In fact, I was so happy. I wanted to make sure that I shared with you. I think I should share earlier with a text, but the cute smiling in every language you have one of the most beautiful smiles and it's an indication of how you do feel about abundance, how you do feel about humanity. So I wanted to start off by asking you uh, what we traditionally do is kind of a TED talk of where it all started. So if you'd be so kind as to share where you're born, what your childhood was like and how it relates to who you are today. Well, you know, every immigrant in this country really have the same story. You know, they grew up in their country as in poverty and they have lack of resources and they have this 
unbelievable desire to end up in this land of opportunity where they want to make life not just better for themselves but more importantly for their children and grandchildren and at, at some point of time somebody in our family did that whether it is our grandpa or great grandpa or great great grandpa someone took that initiative to say enough is enough i'm going to go to that land of free and the land of opportunity we're going to go do that so my story is absolutely no different came here with absolutely nothing didn't speak the language and god has been just amazingly kind to us any which way you look at it and i really think that is the key is that we as human beings should really focus on our actions and what really happens and i think this is one thing i hope our western society learns a lot from the eastern philosophies in western education we are taught about you know every leader you should have goals and you should have these outcomes and you're measured by the goals and what without realizing the goals are not in our control the the at the end of the day it is what it is and it will be what will be the only thing we can control is our actions and if we can absolutely focus on every single day what step what actions are we going to take that will make the humanity better and if every single day when we wake up in the morning we jump out of the bed with joy wanting to do one thing that will make someone's life better and i think as you will start to look at life suddenly you are becoming massively successful not just because you have accumulated wealth but you've accumulated the goodwill of billions of people whose life is better because of you and that to me is really the only measure of success will always have to live by and what is really interesting if i may say so is if you stay focused and if you can find a, any enterprise that can improve the lives of billion people you have a 100 billion dollar enterprise in your hand but you can't go out and create a 100 billion dollar enterprise because you want to make that money and to me the money is making money and the wealth is a by product of doing things that actually improve people's life so i really feel that is really how we should all start to stay focused on what is our purpose in life and where were you born I was born in India as I'm assuming everybody could figure that out just by listening What to city? my voice. What city? <laughs> well, that's a tougher one, can I? That's not as easy an answer as you would like it to be because we really didn't have a place. We really moved from city to city to city. I was born near New Delhi, but we never lived in that place. We moved out after 6 months and we really moved from small villages to small villages and really most of the education was done in places where there were no schools. there were no tables no chairs some elderly gentlemen would take a pity and want to teach you something and that to me really was that it didn't matter so when people say that oh people who don't have opportunity can't succeed it is not the people who don't have dreams and imagination are the only people who don't succeed when you talk about the i can't then you won't if you believe i can then you will and that's really is all it takes and we're going to have about a lot more detailed discussions about all of those concepts well you did give me the answer i was hoping to hear is that 
an immigrant's mindset is that they may have limited resources, so they hack life. They figure out how to make the most out of, and that is really an adaptability, and that causes an entrepreneur to actually think outside the box. It also think, causes an author to uh, use minimal resources to solve problems. I mean, look at uh, Steve Jobs and uh, Wozniak. They had minimal resources, and they created this amazing computer because they didn't have the money for the circuitry. I want to go back to a comment you meant, uh, said about God has been so kind. So... I think there's a correlation between how kind God is and what your SPH is. And your SPH is how many smiles per hour you are emitting to the world, how many you're emitting to yourself. In other words, how kind are you being for God's kindness to actually be experienced? Would you say that's... Yes, I think, you're, I think you have basically condensed the whole philosophy of what it means to be happy inside. Your job, you have to believe that universe is your friend. And I think this is really the concept once you adapt that universe is not your enemy, universe is your friend. And if you want to call that universe God, let's just call that God, but let's just stay on it. You know, in a in a scientific way, so people don't start to feel that's a religious conversation. So let's just stay the universe is your friend. It doesn't matter what happens you should not label it as good or bad. And I think this is one concept I'm going to uh, just spend a little bit more time on that because I think it's so important. When something happens, we have a tendency to call it, oh, good thing happened. You feel elated and you have joy and you have happiness and you share that. And if you label the same event as bad, then you feel sadness and everyone actually thinks that something that happened is really, really bad. What's really interesting is the event that happened, the impact of that event you may not know for decades of how it changed who you became. And that impact that you labeled potentially as bad could have been the life-changing event to make you who you become. And if you love who you become, then how would you want to change? And why would you want to change anything that happened in your life? And I think there is a great story in the, this Indian tradition that there was this villager and villager had this young man who was only young boy he had, and he had such great hopes that this man was going to help him in the farm and take care of him in his old age. Guess what happened? He was walking, got hit by the horse, and suddenly broke his leg. He could not walk properly anymore. And every and everyone in the village said, you know, you're so unfortunate. You only had one son and now the son won't be able to help you. And then, you know, suddenly everyone is feeling sad for you and you're feeling sad for yourself. Month later, there was a draft and they came to the village and they took every young man that could properly walk off to the war to die. And only man who left with his son was this man. And everyone is saying, you are the most luckiest man alive who has his son next to him, who's going to take care of him in his own age, who's going to be able to help him whenever he needs help. My point was that event was neither good or bad. It was that thing that happened. And that to me in life is one thing you could learn. Just assume it is. And when something happens, all you have to say, and that happened. And you say, now what should I do that that happened? And you essentially take the action, what you need to do to make the next, take that next step towards whatever your North Star is. 
And I think uh, I lost my chain of thought here, but the idea is to put the intent out to the universe. <clears throat> so when you smile, you're putting the intent out in the world that I am looking for all the energy to come right back me, to, at me smiling because your body and your mind and you full of this energy is a tuner and a receiver at the same time. When you tune your receiver and the broadcaster to the frequency that says smile, guess what happens? All the people who are smiling are now actually talking at the same frequency and you surround yourself with people who are happy and smiling. And the minute you become bitter, guess what happens? You will find all the bitter people around you who are going to say, you know, life really, really sucks and you should really be unhappy. And really, we need to go out and try to figure out who are the other unhappy people because life really sucks, right? And to me, that is the key is what, as you say, smiles per hour. More you smile, the more you give. The universe brings it right back with all the people who actually are tuning into the same frequency. So I hope this doesn't insult you, but I was listening to you and yeah. I was rejoicing in how my heart felt and how my soul was experiencing the life of a human who's living a life to their fullest. And I came up with two names and I, you're yeah. like a hybrid to me of Gandhi meets Tony Robbins. Wow. Huh. I, okay. That's Gandhi Robbins. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There's, there's a really, your voice is so pure with the truth that you believe that abundance will bring love and, and really everything that you want in life will come to you if you just live with that mindset. So thank you for that. I wanted to, uh, I want to turn it over to a gentleman you met that actually did do a Ford for you. So Sir Richard Branson, how did that actually occur? Well, as I said, this is not the time to be dropping names on the things. He actually, uh, he's a great entrepreneur. I have nothing but a great respect for, uh, respect for him. And he has become a good friend. And when I was writing a book, he read it and he said, you know what? This is exactly the book that entrepreneurs should read. And I said, in that case, you should write a forward. And he said, he'll be happy to do so. And that's how it all happened. That's fantastic. <laughs> awesome. So um, you are a, a father? Yeah, I am a father of three wonderful, amazing children. And before you asked me, that is what I believe is how I am going to be measured by is what I have not only done in my life, but more importantly, what I have left behind with the children and what they are going to do. Because to some extent, they are reflection of what you have educated, inspired the other people to do. And that to me is the key to how do you leverage yourself because you are one person. And if even if you are the best in the world, there's only so much you can do. But what if you can leverage yourself and educate the people, inspire the people to go out and do amazing things? And that's how you do that. And to me, having those three children who are now leveraging all of that and they're doing those amazing things, to me, that is what brings me the true happiness is through them, watching them do things. And if I may just brag and as a proud papa, this is what I'm going to tell you that anyone who's listening to it, they should really focus on the great things they're doing. So my oldest son, who is 30 years old, is named Ankur, A-N-K-U-R, same last name, J-N-J-A-I-N. Just Google him. 
He's literally going out there and building these disruptive companies. He is in the cover of every magazine. He's featured from the Wall Street Journal to New Yorker to Al Magazine to pick a name you want because he focused on the how do you take people who are hurting in the middle class, provide them with affordable housing, affordable senior care, and really bring the abundance to the people who have been forgotten. Our daughter, so he graduated from Wharton, and our daughter graduated from Stanford, and she was just focused on women's, uh, you know, women's education, women's health, and she started the company uh, to work with uh, another great entrepreneur on removing gender bias in hiring. And then now she left that and now she's focused on women's health. Uh, you know, so it's really all about how do we help the people who have been, again, forgotten because all the research is done, done mostly on men and a lot of the women, a lot of the research doesn't even apply to women. So she's focused on how do we bring all of that stuff back to women. And our youngest one also wait, wait, graduated from wait, Stanford. Wait, Naveen. Yeah. yeah. Her name? Yeah. Priyanka, P-R-I-Y-A-N-K-A. Because I know you're not uh, a big name. I know you're not a big name dropper, but I am a big proponent. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, last one is Neil Jen, N-E-I-L, and he also graduated from Stanford. And then he became a Schwarzman scholar, and now he's going out and essentially getting the thing his feet wet in the entrepreneurship world. And I know we're going to get into it a little later about how do you. Uh, how do you create the value system at home where your children feel that they want to go out and do great things? And a lot of the time we as parents believe we can tell them what to do. And the more we keep reminding them and telling them somehow that will make a difference. And what I learned in life is that is a mirage. They don't do what you tell them they do what they watch you <laughs> so they are very smart people they see what you do not what you tell them what they should do and we, i'll tell you a little bit more story as we go along <laughs> well very good I, you know when i was making that compliment to you about uh, the gandhi robbins i was curious when you came to the united states what was it that was such a pinnacle shift that you were enlightened to the point that you would become a, a leader like this to share wisdom you know honestly can this is something that everyone somehow thinks that there is magical pivoting point or inflection point or a magical moment that happens and suddenly you become a different person in fact you know in the history sometimes you rewrite the history to create that magical point but the truth is it's never that so everyone just believes that it's the last straw that breaks the camel back. And you and I both know it's not the last straw, but all the other straws that you put underneath it that breaks the camel back, right? So my point is life is nothing but accumulation and the string of experiences you have had. It's about the interaction you have had and every interaction you have changes who we become. This interaction that you and I are having both are being transformed with this interaction. I am being transformed by you asking questions, you essentially relating your experience to me, and I am changing as we speak. And that to me is the key is surrounding yourself with the people that you want to become. So if you surround yourself with people who are constantly telling you, you can't do it, you don't speak like them, 
how can you possibly be thinking you can be a leader and an entrepreneur no one even understand the word you are saying and you know what i don't want to be speaking like everyone else i don't want to look like everyone else i don't want to think like everyone else because then i will become everyone else i want to be who i am and i take that as a pride and actually a part of who i am as authentic person i could take a speech lessons and start to speak like everyone and i thought it was to my advantage not to do that and for a very simple reason if i speak in a common way you could be typing a message and as long as you can hear my words you can still make sense of what i'm saying the fact i have such a thick accent if you take away 1% of iota of attention away from me you don't understand a word so i am always getting 100% of your attention if you ever want to understand what i'm saying well as as your book says um create better questions and you will solve better problems so the problem i have right now is i asked a question to you that gave me that answer that is a very fine answer but the question i really wanted to ask you is in the tipping point of your life of all the experience you had who are some of the people and books that actually caused you to be who you are what well, is interesting if you were looking for who is my mentor in uh, my mentor i would say life has been probably the biggest mentor mm-hmm. life never stops teaching you you stop learning and that's really what happens every single day in my life there is a teaching moment it is sometime our you know we subconsciously ignore that teaching moment because we don't believe we need to learn anything and i think what i found is that it doesn't matter who i talk to if i lit, if i pay just a few minutes of attention i can learn something from every single person including the person who i ignored because they were homeless homeless person can teach you more about living in adversity and coming up adversity than you would ever read in any book so to me the life is really a great teacher and a great mentor if you can just make every single interaction every moment in our life as a life lesson in terms of books you know there are obviously in different subjects different you know people that things have changed my mind um uh, and how i think uh one of the greatest book i read was a clayton christensen book called how will you measure your life and i thought it was just fundamentally the concept that i liked in that book was there is no way you can be 99% in have a integrity of 99.9% either you are or you are not because once you take one step down it becomes a slippery slope there will always be a reason why you need to do it again it becomes 99.8 and it just slippery slope you go down and you have to have certain principles you just don't break because once you find one excuse to break them there always be the next excuse to break them and in this book he talks about being a uh, you know center of a, a, in a basketball team and the team was playing on sunday and it was a finals and the teammates everyone said what difference does it make if you don't go to church one day the team needs you you have to be here and he says i have to go to the church and and if we lose so be it right and the fact they won that was not the point but the point was he wasn't willing to break his idea of spending the time in the church on sunday 
And it didn't matter because he knew the minute he did that for the final game one day, it will be the semi-final the next time. Or it will be another, some other reason why he shouldn't go to the church. And to me, that was just something that I felt was just an unbelievable lesson of life. It is. Well, we're going to go to break right now, Naveen, and what a refreshing first half uh, segment. And we're going to take a deeper dive into parenthood, education, and philanthropy when we come back. Andrea? We want to thank our sponsors. Our featured sponsor is bees.social. Bees.social. It's a crypto technology for the people, by the people, teaching you how to be financially literate in a new crypto technology world. And the Red Carpet Connection, the Umbrella Syndicate, Perfect Publishing, Big Events USA, Voice America, and Voice America Influencers Channel. And our charity of choice is the Keep Smiling Movement. So if you'll think of the Keep Smiling Movement, next time you smile and with your donations at www.thekeepsmilingmovement.com. And we'll be back with you after these messages. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for us at keyword voice America. The Umbrella Syndicate amplifies good causes, good people, and good messages. They offer a suite of services that help people and businesses gain better exposure. Through working with the Umbrella Syndicate, you gain the ability to reach an audience of 50,000 unique people a week. They have recently reached over 20,000 followers on Facebook. You can view their photography and how they use it as a strong promotional tool on their Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash the Umbrella Syndicate. Show them your support by liking their page. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. This is Amplify. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. We also would love to hear from you via email to info at UmbrellaSyndicate.com. Now, back to Amplify. Welcome back. Welcome back. So, we were on a little break, and Naveen was about to give some gratitude, and I wanted to make sure that that was actually done live. So, for those of you who don't know what it is to have a great show, you must have a great team and you must have great producers and people that believe in your message. So Naveen, I actually would like you to make a live announcement of the, the gratitude you were sharing. Yeah, I was simply saying was Ken, that you are an amazing host. And I wanna just thank Andrea, who is your co-host here, just to be able to put this together and all the wonderful things she does in the background. And obviously, Aaron, who has been essentially a, a fundamentally making sure that everything goes without a hiccup. So thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Andrea, for doing it. And Ken, back on the show again. <laughs> awesome. So there are so many points that you make in this book. And I, you know, there's just not enough time to go into it. So I want to make sure we cover the most important point in the book. Okay. So you ready for this? I think I know what it is. So I'm going to go, go for it without you asking oh, me for it. <laughs> oh, I know. I know you know what it is. Do you know why? Because you're going to say it. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> so the, I think the biggest, if there is one takeaway from this book, if you get, is this, I think in the beginning that we touched, this idea of mindset of scarcity. And how do we go out and create this mindset of abundance? And I'm going to, and the second concept is moving away from the symptoms, solving the symptom of the problem 
to understanding the root cause of the problem. So I'm going to just spend just a little bit time on taking a couple of examples. And I think one of the, I mean, like the one, another part I want to talk about was how do you ask the question? Because the questions you ask is the problem you solve. <clears throat> and to some extent, asking the right question is really the key to understanding what problems you will be solving. So let's take this idea of scarcity. So land is something we, everyone can inherently say, well, obviously land has value because land is scarce. I mean, you can't create more land. And that's, first, first of all, let's just not, let's assume that it's on the surface true, but, but we know that's not true because we are constantly building, uh, recapturing the oceans and you can always continue to build the new oil, islands and oceans and stuff. And there's no reason we couldn't live on the ocean, but that's a completely different story. But the fact is, even if you just think about planet Earth, our planet Earth is nothing but a tiny dot in our own solar system. Our solar system is invisible in our galaxy. Our galaxy would not be seen in our universe. And our universe is likely to be a nothing but a tiny dot in this multiverse. So where is that scarcity we talk about? The reason we talk about scarcity is because we believe we cannot live anywhere but planet Earth. And all you have to ask yourself, yourself is, what if we could? What if we could live on the moon? What if you could live on the Mars? What if you could live on the Venus? What if you could live on any planet in any universe? And now suddenly people say, you're crazy. That's just not possible. Now, the way to rephrase that question is not, it is not possible. What needs to be done? What technologies need to be developed for it to work? And suddenly you will find there may be one or two things that need to be developed, but then we start to focus on developing that. And suddenly the things that look impossible become possible. And here is the couple of interesting things you will learn. Day before any breakthrough idea, it is a crazy idea. Day after the breakthrough, it becomes an obvious idea. And anything that you and I, anytime when someone says something is impossible, all that means is they are not the one who are going to be solving that problem. It becomes impossible for them and no one else. And everyone else can still go out and do that. And this is the first time in the human history where the confluence of these exponentially growing technology that are converging at the same time that allows you and I and a small group of people to do things that were only could be done by the kings and queens and the aristocrats and superpowers. And now individuals are doing that, right? Like going to space used to be the domain of superpowers. Only the Russia and the US and China could go possibly think of going to the space. No longer the case. It is now the entrepreneurs. If you look at every single company going to the space now, is all run by a private company. Now, it did not require the government to say, let's sign the Paris Treaty and the you know, Kyoto Treaty and this treaty and that treaty to do something about the climate change. We signed the treaty and nothing happens. And it takes one entrepreneur like Elon to say, you know what? I'm going to go out and build an electric car company. People told him there has not been a car company created in the last 50 years, let alone an electric car company. And guess what he said? Okay. And he goes out and does it. And you look at Tesla today is worth more than all other car companies combined. 
it took one person now suddenly gm says in by 2050 all their cars are going to be the electric cars bmw could not get the electric cars far enough the whole world has now changed to essentially do something that we thought was impossible to get people move away from fossil fuel cars to electric cars and my point is so when you say how can i as an individual do that it takes that one individual to educate and inspire people to take action and since people believe in what you're doing they become part of that revolution that you have and suddenly everything becomes possible and so another you know one of the framework that i use uh in when I, you think about this uh, audacious moonshot idea is I just want to give it to the people because I know there are someone here that could be able to take advantage of that. It's called why this, why now, why me. And this is by the way I didn't get to include that in the book. Uh, you know, I just said I've been just thinking about uh, you know this concept. Why this is really simple. Any time you come up with an idea that you want to implement, let's say call keep smiling and I will apply that to my most recent company that I started on healthcare called Viome and I'm going to apply this thinking to Viome why I started Viome why this why this is god forbid you are actually successful in solving the problem that you set out to do would it help a billion people live a better life so whether you look at keep smiling and you say oh my god what if you can get a billion people to keep smiling would it help the world answer is absolutely yes check mark in our case it was we said what if we can start a company that will prevent and reverse chronic diseases because we know every one of us in our life is going to suffer from one or more chronic diseases and we said what if we can predict and intercept a chronic disease so prevent and reverse chronic diseases would it help a billion people the answer was 7.4 billion people check mark the second part was why now why now is what had changed in last one year and what do you expect to change in the next 3 to 5 years that you believe the time is now rather than something that could have been done a decade ago that means are you using the potentially the technologies of tomorrow to intercept where the world is going to be rather than what is available to you and has been available to you because then you literally are going to be falling behind as technologies are growing on exponential curve So in our world we say to be able to prevent and reverse chronic diseases with the company that I started called Viome was we have to digitize the human body that means cost of sequencing has to come down so when i started the company it was $1000 and i was absolutely convinced that it would come down to $100 in the next 3 to 4 years little that i realized it came down to $10 so while i was actually 10 times optimistic it turned out was 10 times pessimistic and that's the power of exponential technologies we realized that even if we were to digitize how are we going to process this massive amount of data and suddenly we saw the cloud computing was coming along and when we started the company the cost of that computing was $40 and we were convinced it would come down to $10 guess what it came down to $1 and that's literally that means we were relying on what was going to happen in the future to build the company and when we intercepted that suddenly we are able to make it so affordable that we are able to identify what's happening in each person body and tell them what foods they should eat and why what foods they should avoid and why and what we figured out is that every single person needs completely different food we cannot say 
spinach is healthy for everyone or broccoli is healthy for everyone. In fact, it is one man's food is another man's poison. Right? And that's literally what we can say now. Now, the last part of it is why me? And why me is probably the most important questions you have to ask. What one question that I'm asking is different from what everyone else in the industry is asking. Because the question you ask is the problem you solve, right? So if you look at when I was working on my previous company called Moon Express, people say, if you want to live on the moon, how are you going to grow the food on the moon? It's generally a good question. But certainly the wrong question to be asking because when you ask someone how to grow the food, the only way you can do, only way to solve the problem is to find a way to grow the food. If you were to ask slightly different question, why do we eat food? And that means now we need food only for energy and nutrition. Now there are 10 different ways to get energy and there are 100 different ways to get nutrition. And suddenly the problem can be solved by many, many potential ways, not just how to grow the food. Now look, coming back to Wyoming, Everyone was focused on understanding the human genes and understanding what microbes are in people's body. And they thought once they could understand the genes, we will know the humans, uh, the software of human body. And what I realized was your genes don't change when you develop a chronic disease. That means you can gain 200 pounds, you still have the same DNA. You can become depressed, your DNA is still the same. You can have autoimmune diseases, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, every disease you get, your DNA never changes. What changes are not your genes, but your gene expression. And we thought, what if the right question to be asking is not what is in your genes, but how your genes are being expressed. And not what microbes you have, what your microbes are producing. And that led us to the, down the path of actually looking at RNA, not DNA and the fundamentally change what we do. And today we sit here, we're able to predict that someone is gonna develop a disease before they develop it. Now we are able to actually give them the right nutrition. And what we find is people are in fact now finding people who are depressed, no longer depressed. People were losing weight now. People know better, sleep better, have more energy and all that because we believe the timing was now. Now coming back to, as we go back on the questions that uh, we were talking about, asking the right question. All we did was ask the right question. What is the expression of genes, not what genes we have? Or why do we eat food, not how to grow the food? And that to me is the key about asking the right questions. The other concept I'm looking at the time here, we have 15 minutes left and I'm just trying to figure out where do we well, I'll tell you, have the most important. I, I will tell you a couple of things. First of all, I want to make some acknowledgements. And I also want to do a little paraphrasing of some things I learned in the book, because I think it's important that someone else speaks to what gifts there are in the book. So first of all, I, is a quick answer on this one is, would you take what you just shared and want to put that in this book as a second printing or would you make this a new book called why this now and me which would the answer be that's a good I, I mean look i think uh reprinting is going to be a whole lot more difficult i'd rather just have a simple addendum to the book yep. and a small short book of everything that i have learned later and i love the title you just come up with why and then say have this now me this and guess now and, I, and i came up with a parentheses yeah why, why not me because that's a pretty it's good question. Yeah, it's a great question yeah. because th the bystander effect says someone else will. Yeah. And no one else will unless you step up and say it must be me. Um, the other thing I wanted to say is I saw your social media and the uh, person who's the stone sculpture who gave you that beautiful sculpture for helping his daughters with eczema. 
what a beautiful testament to what your company is doing. They sounded like they were rather hopeless and the beautiful craftsmanship and the, the calligraphy that he chose really spoke to his appreciation, but also he wanted to express himself as a, as a, a creative that had thought of everything and your company helped solve that problem. So I want to acknowledge you for that. And the last thing in case I don't get to speak too much more because you're a, you a wealth of wisdom is I would like to share some of the main points I paraphrased from my notes. And although we had a conversation before the show, do not read notes, there are some very important notes I want my audience to hear. So if I may just take two minutes and read Please what do. I learned. I want to read what I learned. Take five. Take five. Thank you. And I'll drink water. Thank you. So on page 284 to 287, um, Naveen was kind enough to have a cleared for liftoff, the big takeaways from his book. And reading the book goes into such depth, great stories, a lot more examples that will make them cling to your brain and also to your heart. But I'm going to do my best to give the 10 principles as quickly as possible. So first of all, we first have to move beyond the limits we placed on ourselves. Number two, moonshots are all about smashing existing paradigms, overcome the indoctrination of the established order of expectations. Number three, we must not default to seeing the world as it is, but shift and imagine the world as it could be. Number four, Nothing is inherently impossible. Everything can be solved with imagination, innovation, and competent entrepreneurism. Number five, cultivate, broaden, and enrich your powers of perception, and this will expand your vision that enables us to recognize the non-obvious connections beyond the simple causes and effect, which we often default to. Number six, creative innovation always comes from connecting desperate and non-obvious dots, not so with, uh, within disciplines. It, no, sorry. Not so much within disciplines, it is, it is done from the intersections and the boundaries within them. Number seven, knowledge does not solve the problems, world's problems because the problems are caused by a lack of knowledge and a failure to use imagination. Number eight, knowledge can actually hinder imagination and the process of innovation. We become less capable of disruption and we become more of an expert. Um, and, then, and then you went on to say that uh, Sir Richard Branson talked about the virgin mindset. And then number nine, if you regulate or otherwise restrain a moonshot, it'll never reach uh, or escape uh, its escape velocity. Number 10, and finally, true entrepreneurism never fail, they pivot. How you deal with setbacks and difficulties may actually be the primary determination of your ultimate success. So thank you for those two pages. I read them and I wanted to encapsulate them so that I could put them on a poster board for my son. And I didn't want my audience not to reap the benefit of what a beautifully dictated uh, summation of all the takeaways from your book. Well, Ken, first of all, you did an amazingly great job of summarizing the thing. And you know, just to expand on the last part that you mentioned, we all in life are going to have those ups and downs and uh, things that we get discouraged by. Unless you start to expect them and accept them. So you have to accept as it is and you have to expect that they're going to happen. And that means the way I describe is that only way you know you are alive is because you have a heartbeat, right? And how does a heartbeat look like? It goes up and down, up and down. When it becomes smooth, you're dead. So if you're looking for a smooth life, you're looking for a dead life, right? So you have to assume that I want to live my life. When someone says, I want to live my life, what they're saying is, I want to see these ups and downs in my life. And when you are down, all you have to do is hunker down and you know the next beat is going to be up. And when you are on top of the beat, never get too cocky because just always remember that winter is coming and winter shall come. 
And that is the lessons of the life. Never get too complacent where you're living, a, you know, this is smooth life because you may as well be a zombie living a dead life. Well, we have some, uh, something called rapid fire where we ask you quick questions and we get back quick answers. One thing I do when uh, Andre is kind enough to get someone uh, at your intellect and also at your spiritual level, I always afford her that opportunity to ask a question I may not have thought of that she may have asked with you and would like to bring to the audience. So Andrea, would you like to ask that question? Sure. Naveen, for the sake of time, um, so we'll just need to keep this answer short. So <clears throat> what led you to realize that there is no limit to our imagination. Well, the first thing was, uh, actually I grew up believing there was a limit to my imagination because my mom absolutely, when she loved me the most, she would say, you are such a bright kid. You can do anything you want. And then she would right there say, sky is the limit. She knew that was the limit she was going to set because that was the biggest thing she could ever imagine and see. And what I realized as I grew up was there is no sky. The sky is nothing but a fragment of our imagination. And we put these limits on ourselves and we call them sky. Now imagine every limit you, limit you see for yourself is nothing but imagine, fragment of our imagination Then we call that sky. So get rid of all these skies, they just don't exist. Very good. So we're going to put a limit to the next two questions. Unfortunately, there is a limit there um, because we want to get to the rapid fire. I'd like you to surmise a very quick answer to how does one su uh, successfully set up a philanthropy because money and begging for the money is not the answer. And I think the short answer to that is creating a venture that does good. So doing well by doing good. Philanthropy cannot be done by simply looking for money constantly because the better you do, the more you have to raise. And to me, a doing a, creating a business that helps a billion people is the best philanthropy you will ever do. Great. And the next question is near and dear to my heart, which would be raising a child to be a future Gandhi Robbins. So um, <clears throat> test, test, test are not the answer and it measures the system. So how do we encourage and reform an education system that really causes future entrepreneurs? That's a much longer answer. I know, so, I'm so going to sorry about to that, the, but I want to make sure we get to that. <laughs> yeah, so the first part I was gonna say was re, uh, telling our children what is most important to change the definition of success and let them know your success is not defined by how much money you have in the bank. Your success is defined by how many lives you improve. And that's the measure of success. Your self-worth will never come from what you own. Your self-worth will come from what you create. So don't be a parasite and have own a lot but have not created anything. And always remember, the humility is a sign of success. If you still have iota of arrogance left in you, that means you're still trying to prove something to someone else or yourself, and that's not success. So the day you become humble is the day you become successful. And if you live by those principles, then it doesn't matter what you do. Stay focused on improving other people's life, and you'll become successful. That was so beautiful. That was so beautiful, Naveen. Thank you. So we are going to move to a healthy rapid fire where we do get to ask those questions and hopefully get really quick answers. So here we go. I'll start with my favorite, which is what book transformed your life the most? I would say let's just start with the moonshot since we talked about that. Let's just start with that. Okay. And then number two, what book do you give away is the most? And since this is a new book, you haven't given it away as much as others, have you? 
Yeah. Well, actually, that's my only book. So if I were to give away, that's probably the book I give away. <laughs> okay. So you, you don't, you're not in the practice of giving books as gifts. Is that correct? No. Okay. No. Very good. Andrea? Um, I want to know what song you play in your head when you want to get motivated and jazzed up. Well, it, it, you know, it's a beautiful life. Uh, it's a song by um, uh, Sarah Brightman. Mm. That is a beautiful one. Okay. Um, what movie inspires you? Uh, God, there's so many great movies that inspire. I mean, I think sci-fi, let's just go there because sci-fi gives you the imagination of what is possible. So to me, all of those things that we thought were science fiction become science reality sooner or later. <laughs> yes, I enjoyed an interview you had where you talked about Star Trek and how that is actually just your imagination. Andrea? Yeah. When you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh my God, I always wanted to be an astronaut. And, um, and if you were to ask me if I didn't become an entrepreneur, what I would become, I would probably become an evangelist. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you mentioned astronaut, I forgot one of my funnier uh, takeaways from your book about the first chapter when it was talking about uh, humans not going more than 30 miles an hour and that uh, um, a company created a railway. And fortunately, there was no flying uteruses all around with... <laughs> That was such a funny way to start the book. Um, so who's a person that you would love to meet? You know, um, in the living person, you know, I think, oh God, I think I've met almost everyone that I think I should have met and should meet. <laughs> but I think in the, if I were to go back in the past, the person I would love to have talked to is like people who amaze me and what drove them, right? Alexander the Great, what was going through their mind when they went on that quest, right? And to me, the history, the Roman history, and if I go look at it, there's so much you could ask the Marcus Aurelius. I mean, you know, I probably would ask 100 questions. Very good. Andrea? And for the sake of time, I'm going to uh, let you go next with your next question. What is a quote you live by? Oh my God, dream so big that people think you're crazy and never be afraid to fail because you know if you don't fail, unless you give up, you never fail. In one or two sentences, what's a dream that you hope to create? Imagine a world where illness is optional. I loved your point in the book or an interview about downloading your knowledge so others could have it. Yeah. That was beautiful. Yeah. All right, Andrea, you want to give a shout out to our sponsors? Yes, we want to thank our featured sponsor. That's bees.social, B-E-E, B-E-E-S dot social. This is an educational information crypto technology platform where they are teaching you the literacy for your financial future in crypto technology. The Red Carpet Connection, The Umbrella Syndicate, Perfect Publishing, Big Events USA, Voice America, and the Voice America Influencers Channel. And our charity of choice is the keepsmilingmovement.com. Please think of the Keep Smiling Movement when you're choosing your charity of choice. Well, Naveen, we can't wait to share your story um, about how you created who you are, why you are, and how you are creating smiles in the world. So we invite you to be part of the Dose of Hope, which is this little, this little book, 800-page book, and we intend to do 12 <laughs> volumes. And not only are we looking for you, but we're looking for who you would recommend that should also be sharing their inspirational story. Would you mind sharing with the audience how people can follow you, how they can listen to you more on your podcast? 
Absolutely, please. Uh, please. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Clubhouse. I'm all on the social media. Please reach out to me. I always uh, answer your questions. And the last thing I probably would leave that with is just keep smiling because that's the best thing you can ever do to bring smiles on other people's faces. Well, you certainly have the most magnificent smile and I can't wait to meet you at some point and to learn how I can be more like you. You are quite an inspiration. And I'm going to show this to my son and I am going to put those 10 takeaways on our cupboard so that he can see it when he's eating breakfast. I just want to thank you again. You have been amplified, but you've been amplified many times before. And thank you for spending an hour with us to share your beautiful wisdom and knowledge and also a really a great mindset on how we can be reminded that living life is a choice and when you choose to actually live it with abundance, you're actually causing it for others. So thank you very much. This is Ken Roshan, Arn Amplified with Voice America Influencer Channel. Have a great week and stay amplified. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of Amplified. Be sure to join Ken Roshan again next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now, go get your message heard.